Lecture topic, Essence of Deen. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-lazeen astafa. Amma ba'du fa'a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ حُنَفَاءَ وَيُقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَيُؤْتُوا الزَّكَاةَ وَذَلِكَ دِينُ الْقَيِّمَةِ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ موسى السكر عنوما الكرام رب الزنالدوس doing any amal an extremely important aspect is to refresh the intention the renewing and refreshing of the intention helps us to focus on what is our actual purpose so the purpose of gathering in the house of allah taala is to remember allah taala and to remind one another In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala Himself says, وَذَكِّرْ فَإِنَّ الذِّكْرَاتًا فَعُوا الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Remind, verily a reminder is beneficial for the believers, it benefits the believers. The Quran Sharif is making a declaration, Allah Ta'ala's words, that the reminder benefits the believers. So the one speaking, the one listening, this is a reminder for me firstly and for all of us. Whatever will be discussed, whatever Allah Ta'ala gives Tawfiq, it's meant to be a means of a reminder and the reminder Allah Ta'ala is giving us this hukam in the Quran Sharif that remind, keep reminding so this is an ongoing need this never stops this is an ongoing requirement and a need we have a need for this reminder just as we had a, have a need for physical nourishment we have to eat and drink we have a need for the spiritual nourishment part of this need is this reminder so this is the need that to get reminded to remind us myself ourselves about whatever allah taala has ordered us in the quran sharif whatever rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has given to us in his mubarak ahadith and with the fadl of allah taala that this becomes part of our lives that it becomes part of action not just something to be spoken for the sake of speaking or to be heard for the sake of listening but the objective is that it must become inshallah part of our lives in one hadith sharif which is reported in muslim sharif one occasion that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi was on a journey so while he was out on the safar suddenly one bedouin came along Now the narrator of the hadith sharif he specifically highlights this anna arabiyan ja whereas an arabi that bedouin is also just an insan he's a human being he could have just said rajulan human one person one man many places you'll find that somebody asked a person asked somebody came So every way it is not mentioned who this person is, where he was from, or whether he was somebody dwelling in the midst of Madinah Munawwara, or where he is from. But many places you'll find when it was a Bedouin, and that is mentioned, that this was a Bedouin. Like in this instance as well, starts off on this note, Anna Arabian, Aradali Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, fi safarin. This Bedouin, this Arabi, he came in front of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam while rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was on this journey now what was the need to mention that this was a bedouin so the bedouins obviously bedouin already tells us something about the person person living out far away in the rural area living maybe as a nomad somewhere or living in some very distant place and being distant away and growing up in such an environment which is far away from the centers of learning which is far away from where a person will have an opportunity 
to interact with others who may know better. So as a result, this was a common thing. That the Bedouins were not expected to have a very high level of culture and etiquette. It was expected. Because they never had the opportunity to learn it. And as a result, this was even accommodated to a point. The Sahabai Kiram themselves, they used to be very cautious about asking many questions to Rasulullah after the ayat of the Quran Sharif was revealed. That on one occasion, somebody asked something and there was not a suitable thing to ask. So this ayat of the Quran Sharif was revealed. They don't ask things that if you get the answer and if the answers come suddenly that well this is compulsory now you'll get into difficulty. So don't ask things that are not meant to be asked. So as a result of this, this was actually to ask something which was not suitable, not something appropriate to ask. It didn't restrict the Sahaba from asking things of necessity, but they became little extra cautious. It should not happen that we think something we want to ask was appropriate, whereas it was not. So they became a bit more cautious. But the Sahaba say we used to wait. We used to wait for some Bedouin to come along. And sometimes some would go and even find one and bring him along. Why? He says, well, the Bedouin, he didn't have that opportunity of learning culture and etiquette. As a result, they would be very free and very informal. They didn't have any formalities. Now they would ask things without any hesitation. Whatever came in their mind, they would ask. But now we would wait for some Bedouin who was an intelligent person, but he's an Bedouin, but intelligent. Now he's going to ask without hesitation because he doesn't have that etiquette. And the Surullah would accommodate this. But at the same time, he's an intelligent person. He'll ask some things which are of need. Now he'll ask and the answer all of us will benefit from. So we used to wait for such occasions when some intelligent Bedouin will come. He will have no hesitation in asking, but we will all then get the benefit. But now the very important point in all this is that Rasulullah accommodated this because they never had the opportunity. But somebody who didn't come from that situation, somebody had the opportunity, somebody was had that chance to learn, that was a totally different situation. On one occasion, one Bedouin came, came for the first time, has no idea about what the sanctity of the masjid is. And he came and he began urinating in one corner of the masjid. Now the masjid in those days didn't have the carpets and whatever else we are used to. It was bare ground, sand. So in one corner of the masjid he suddenly started urinating. So the Sahaba saw this and they became very upset immediately, obviously. This is a masjid, this is the house of Allah Ta'ala. Now this was a common thing that somebody needed to relieve himself out somewhere walking on the road, he'll move on the side, surrounding the way that he's quite covered, but then he would relieve himself. Now this person just decided to do this in the masjid. So some of them woke up to immediately go and stop him. Nabi Sallallahu stopped them. La tuzrimu. Nabi Sallallahu stopped them. Don't go and rebuke him, don't tell him anything yet. Now, outwardly, this was something strange. This person is soiling the masjid and somebody wants to go and stop him. Nabi Islam is stopping them. But this was the firasat and the intelligence of Nubuat. Now, if they went rushing towards him, he would have got perhaps afraid. He might have woke up to start running because he would have seen people running towards him that they're going to probably attack me. Now right now, the masjid is getting soiled in one place. And if he had to wake up and start running, the whole masjid will get soiled. So Rasulullah contained the problem. The problem was already there. The problem was already there. One is that before a problem comes, try to stop it, try to save it. Try to avoid it even coming up. But if the problem already happened, that avoid it becoming bigger than what it is. He contained the problem right there. 
Now in any case, when this person finished off, she then called for him. And with great amount of affection, with kindness, with compassion, Nabi Islam advised him, this is not the place, this is not the place for all this, this is the house of Allah Ta'ala. Taught him the adab and the etiquette of the masjid. Then, called the Sahaba Ikram to dig out that soiled sand, washed it off, dug out whatever was soiled, filled it up, and the matter was done. But now in this one incident, there were so many lessons. How to manage a situation, how to contain the problem, avoid it getting bigger than what it is, and to maintain one's composure in whatever the situation is. Sometimes the situation is very, very, it's something that provokes a person's emotions. So the emotions are there, but despite the emotions, to let the intelligence prevail. Not to get carried away by the emotion. The emotion is part of insan. Insan is insan. But now in the emotion, the person is just saying anything. In the emotion, he's just doing anything. And now the next day, he's regretting why I said this, and why I did this, why I said it differently. This was the lesson in it. It was a very, very emotionally provoking situation. Somebody is defiling the masjid. Somebody is soiling the masjid in such a terrible way. But Rasulullah number one, contained it. Number two, he read the situation. Who is it? Who is the person? The person is somebody totally new. Somebody who's never had the opportunity to learn. So now he was taught. And now there was another situation once in the masjid. Nabi Salaam came and he sees somebody had coughed up some phlegm and is lying on the masjid. Now as mentioned, it was the bare floor of sand. Nabi Salaam took one stick and he scraped it and he was very upset. And he sounded a very severe warning. People doing this should beware this one. They will be raised on the day of Qiyamah with this on their foreheads. Now one person soiled the masjid with najasat, with urine, and he was dealt with in a certain manner. And comparatively, this was far lesser. It was a big problem as well, obviously. But comparatively, it was a far lesser thing. It's not even najis. It's wrong, it's dirt, but it's not najasat. If that has to soil a person's clothing, etc., he performed his salah, he didn't realize it. Salah is valid. But if his clothing was soiled with urine, he didn't realize that beyond a certain amount, the hollow of the palm, that extent, the salah is not valid also. So comparatively, this was a far lesser thing. But the person responsible for this was somebody who had the opportunity of having learned better. He was around, he was in Madina Munawara. He is sitting in the majalis of Rasulullah He should have already learned this much. What is the etiquette of the masjid? So therefore Rasulullah took this very seriously. That person was explained with kindness, with compassion. And this person, whoever it was, was reprimanded very severely. Now this is that very important lesson. That one is somebody new, he's just come new into Islam. He's coming to the masjid. He might not have learned what is Israf yet. And he's making wudu, so now he's opened the tap and the water is running. So now somebody will help him, somebody will probably teach him maybe nicely, kindly, but not in a reprimanding way. He's just come, he's new, he doesn't even, he hasn't heard the word israf. He's probably come from a background where there's no such thing as wastage, meaning as a concept. Throw whatever you wish, do whatever you wish, it doesn't matter. Now he has to come and learn what is israf all about. So now he'll be taught that every drop counts. Let alone when there is running water at a tap, even if a person is at the bank of a river. Rasulullah says, even at the bank of a river, running water, person is making wudu, israf applies even there. That now he is making wudu, that water after he uses it is going to eventually flow back into that water, into that river. So he is making wudu, that water that he used, it didn't disappear anywhere. Eventually it fell, it dribbled down and rolled down and trickled away back into the river. But if he used more water than was required for the wudu, then too he has come to the israf. And israf, Allah Ta'ala says, Inna Allah la yuhibbul musrifeen. Allah Ta'ala doesn't love those who make israf. Now that wudu was meant to bring a person closer to Allah Ta'ala. 
He's come to the masjid to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. To acquire the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. To get the love of Allah in his heart. And now due to that israf, inna Allah la yuhibbul musrifeen. Allah Ta'ala doesn't love those who make israf. And he came to the masjid to make wudu, to form salah, and he got distance from Allah Ta'ala. Because of israf. Now that person was new, he had no idea, he'll be taught. But somebody who had years upon years of opportunity to learn it, that's a different matter now. That should have long been learned. The person came into the masjid, he's probably sitting in a way which now doesn't befit the adab and the etiquette of the masjid. He's talking perhaps in a raised voice. He hasn't learned better, he hasn't yet learned what is the masjid. He has to be still taught. So now somebody will take him aside with a lot of compassion and in a way that is endearing, in a way that he, he feels happy about it. One sahabi had come into the masjid at a time when the salah had just commenced and he had come in a little bit later. So now when he came in, he didn't know that already there was one new command that had come. The command that had come was that previously it was permissible to say something in salah, to just talk to somebody, something necessary. Or somebody sneezed to say Alhamdulillah, and he, if he said Alhamdulillah, to reply to it. And some things of this nature was permitted. And he came in, he didn't know that this had now changed, that this is no more allowed. Now when he joined the salah, something happened just to get to the crux of it, he spoke something. So everybody around him started staring at him. What's wrong with you, so to say? So he said, I became very upset. Now, everybody is looking at me in this manner, like in a very accusative manner. But I kept quiet. After the salah was over, he said, Nabi Salaam called me. Now, this was something new. person never knew it before. Something he never had the opportunity of knowing before. Now, he was called. And then he says, Nabi Salaam addressed me in such a way. That's the first thing he He says, may my prayer will be sacrificed for him. He never rebuked me, he didn't scold me, and he explained to me with such muhabbat and shafqat, that became the most deepest memory in his heart about the incident. About how he was explained, that Nabi Sallallahu said to him, that this salah now, salamun nas, any speech of people, etc., general conversation or anything, this is now no more, this is permissible in salah. Now it is the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, this is what salah is all about. But because this was now the first opportunity, this person never had the opportunity of having learned this before. But somebody had the opportunity now. He's known now what is the adab of the masjid. Repeatedly he's been informed, been explained, been reminded that the masjid is the house of Allah Ta'ala. Raising the voices in the masjid, this is not permissible. Out of just talking, talking worldly talk in the masjid is not permissible. This is a place where the zikr of Allah should take place, the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, and that too in a way that doesn't disturb anybody. All these amal that a person performs, his individual amal, should be done in a way that nobody else is disturbed. So now all this is part of the adab of the masjid and so much more. So now this, when a person has had the opportunity to learn it, and he has been reminded over and over again, obviously this becomes a different situation. But the point here was, that somebody knew, then you cannot deal with him in the same way that somebody now is 10 years ahead of him, 10 years before him in the masjid, how that person has to be explained and dealt with. So the point here nevertheless to move on, this Arabi, this Dehati, this was the reason that the narrator is highlighting this. That this was a Bedouin. He came, suddenly he comes in front of Rasulullah sallallahu he grabs hold of the reins of that camel that Nabi Sallallahu was riding. That's not something to do. That's not in keeping with etiquette. That's not in keeping with the proper adab. And the adab of who? The adab of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But again, this was the point, that he was a Bedouin. He was not somebody expected to have behaved in a different manner. Because he never had the opportunity to learn it yet. And now he grabs hold of this reins. So Rasulullah now is riding this camel. This person grabs hold of the reins. Obviously the animal stops. And then he asks a question. Now who is he? He's a Bedouin. 
she hasn't had the opportunity to learn much, hardly anything. And now he's asking something. Now somebody who hasn't had that opportunity of learning even basic etiquette, what is he going to ask? People who've had the opportunity of learning for years, and sometimes what not is asked? Things that should not be, things that we should even delve in. Many times people used to ask some very ajeeb questions and some things about, well, that particular incident happened in so many centuries ago. Who was right and who was wrong? It happened ten centuries ago. He wants to pass judgment now. Who was right and who was wrong? The Thami Rahmanullah used to ask them that in the day of in the Qabr, you will be asked this question, that who was right or wrong, which Sahabi was correct in his judgment. He says, no, on the day of Qiyamah you will be asked. He says, no. He says, well, if you won't be asked about this in the Qabr, on the day of Qiyamah, then you worry about those things that are going to affect your Qabr, affect your day of Qiyamah. And if, now just as an additional point, just to silence him, you say, well, if you ever are asked in the Qabr, you must just say that I told you, don't worry about it. So it's obvious you're not going to be asked about it in the cover. So the thing is that to ask something, what should be asked, what is going to be really of use to a person to ask, what is going to benefit him. Now this is a Bedouin who hasn't had any opportunity to learn. He's asking a question. And now he's already just conducted himself in a way which is not even appropriate. Now what kind of expectation can there be that this person now is going to ask something, what he's going to ask? But now when he asked the question, the question was, أَخْبِرْنِي بِمَا يُقَرِّبُنِي إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ وَيُبَاعِدُنِي عَنِ النَّارِ He asked the question, and when he asked the question, the beast also stopped completely, and then he looked around, فَكَفَّرْ نَبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ The beast also stopped, maybe perhaps the camel was still in some motion, the beast also stopped it completely. He stopped it completely, and he looked around, looked around at the Sahaba that were with him. And after having looked around, Nabi Sallallahu said to them, "Lakad wufika, or qala lakad hudiya." This person has been divinely inspired. He has been guided, divinely guided. He has been blessed with tawfiq. He asked such a question. He's an Arabi, he's a Bedouin, didn't have opportunity to learn much. But he's gone through the essence of everything. And Nabi Sallallahu to impress this on the Sahaba Ikram, and to make sure everybody has paid attention, everybody heard it, and perhaps somebody didn't fully hear, because they're moving, they're, a, they're traveling. So maybe everybody didn't hear. Nabi Sallallahu then turns to him and says to him, repeat your question. He already heard the question, he already even commented on it. Laqad so he had fully heard the question. But so that everybody hears the question, nobody gets left out. Nabi Islam said to that Sahabi, that Dehati and that Vedovan Sahabi, that repeat your question. So now he repeats the question. Akbirni bima yukarribuni min al janna wa yubaiduni anin nar. Tell me what is going to bring me closer to Jannah and what is going to distance me from Jahannam. All the things we ask about in dunya, but if we didn't ask about this, the meaning directly in terms of asking in the sense that learning what is going to bring us closer to Jannat at every step of our life, learning what is going to distance us from Jahannam, if we haven't acquainted ourselves with this, then we can become rocket scientists also, it's not going to help. person can become a rocket scientist, and he can become an ustad of a rocket scientist also. But if he didn't learn this, then he's going to keep getting distance from Jannat, and Allah forbid he'll keep getting closer to Jahannam. And when moth comes where he'll be, Allah knows. So whatever might be of benefit to a person in terms of, for example, earning his halal risk, no problem, provided it's done in a way that conforms to the limits of Shariat. Whatever a person some skill he's going to acquire, which is going to help him, help others, perhaps, alhamdulillah, no problem. Provided all that is within the limits of Shariat. But all that in its place, but its benefit is extremely limited. How limited? That if the person's eyes close now, it's end of it, finished. 
That's how limited it is. It might carry on for another day, another two days, another twenty days, another twenty years, Allah knows. But nevertheless it's limited. And it's sometimes so limited that a person is talking about how skilled he is now. And before the conversation finished off, he and his skill is all gone. That's the reality of life. So all the things that we ask about and we want to study in depth about many things and research this and research that and a person can give an in-depth analysis of so many things in dunya provided it's of some use and benefit in some way and it is within the limits of Sharia TK is fine to a certain extent it's okay provided it's of something constructive but all that aside the most important thing is that what's going to be of everlasting concern and now if a person suddenly leaves dunya none of these things are going to then matter what's going to matter is what's going to now be of benefit to him in the cover what's going to benefit him on the day of qiyamah what's going to take him to the higher stages of jannat what's going to become a barrier between him and jahannam that is the most important aspect and at that time it will be only that that is going to be of any that's going to matter at all nothing else is going to matter how much he left behind is not going to matter to him when he gone down it will help if those behind do something good with it and send the sawab for him also but otherwise it's going to be of no benefit to him whatever he might have done in dunya if it was something that got left behind it got left behind now only his iman his amal this is what's going to help so any case this person now asks this question أَخْبِرْنِي بِمَا يُقَرِّبُنِي مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ وَيُبَاعِدُنِي عَنِ النَّارِ Let me know, tell me, inform me, what is going to bring me closer to Jannah? What is going to me, distance me from Jahannam? So Nabi Wasallam, after having impressed on the Sahaba, that Subhanallah, what a question. Because this question was really worth being asked. This question is the essence of everything. Now this is the question we are being taught. Nabi Wasallam impressed this on the Sahaba all around him. That was not just meant for them. What he impressed on them was meant to be a highlight for the Ummah to come to Qiyamah. That this question should be engraved on our hearts. This question should be engraved on our hearts. We should keep asking ourselves. And if we don't know the answer, then we'll ask. That now you want to do something? Will this bring me closer to Jannah and distance me from Jahannam or the other way around? will distance me from Jannat and bring me closer to Jahannam. This is what I want to say. I want to now say something. Where is this going to take me? Which direction? Closer to Jannat? Allah forbid closer to Jahannam. This is how I want to deal with this person. But where is this going to take me to? This is how I want to conduct myself in the, within the four walls of my home. So now, my house, my space, but now how I'm dealing with people within the four walls of my home also. Where is this going to take me? Because all that counts. It's my business. My business is not my business. It's how Allah Ta'ala wants me to conduct that business. It's not that it's my business. No, no, no. That is, can be said somewhere else. Mind my own I Mind my business and you mind your business. But I have to mind my business in a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased. Otherwise, instead of taking me closer to Jannah, because that business, if it's minded correctly, it is such a great thing that Nabi Islam says that that person who is an honest and upright trader, obviously he's not compromising on other aspects of deen, his fundamentals, he's not involving himself in guna, and Allah forbid he made some mistake, he's making toba, and together with having fulfilled the requirements of deen, he is trading in a way that he is honest and upright. And he will be raised on the day of Qiyamah with the Anbiya salam, with the Siddiqeen, with the Shuhada, Subhanallah. And Subhanallah, a hundred times, on this virtue that Nabi Islam has mentioned for an honest and upright trader, that he is minding his own business, but in a way that Allah is pleased. Now that became such a great ibadat. So not is that my business, I do what I want. No, I have to do what Allah Ta'ala wants me to do in it. It's not that I, 
I have employed somebody. I employed him so I can talk to him as I want. Once upon a time, forget talking to that employee. They were slaves. They were owned. They were part of the property of a person. One person was punishing his slave. It's his slave, property. He was owning him. He could have just sold him off and acquired some money for that. Now he's punishing that slave because he, whatever he might have done. And then suddenly he hears somebody calling from behind. And he didn't immediately realize who it was. That, Ya Aba Mas'ud, Lallahu Akdaru Alayka Minka Alay. That remember, Allah has more power over you than you have over Him. Lallahu Akdaru Alayka Minka Alay. Allah has more power over you than you have over Him. Now you are venting your anger, you are showing your authority, you are expressing your might, and you are doing as you please. But Allah has full control. Allah can paralyze your hand now. Allah Ta'ala can blind your eyes. That tongue that is exploding with all kinds of vulgarities, Allah can make it dumb and muted. But Allah Ta'ala gives respite. Allah Ta'ala allows the person a chance that he'll come back. This person turned around, he says, when I turned around, I see it's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So I immediately realized what my mistake was, what wrong I had done. So I immediately said, he is free for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Now that setting a slave free in our context, but like a person was driving now one car, expensive vehicle, and now he made a mistake, now probably he bumped into somebody or swerved into somebody's way or whatever. And now the person now he realized he committed some wrong, so he tells him, no, you take the car, there's the key. In lieu of what wrong I did, the car is yours. Now we won't hear about that. Illa mashallah, perhaps it might happen somewhere. But I haven't heard it yet. I don't think any of us have heard. Somebody acknowledged that my mistake, but now to make amends, you keep the car. That was the similar situation, having freed the slave has to be understood in a similar context. This was property, it was a very valuable asset that a person owned. He used to get all his work done. He used to earn via the slave's work. And now he's setting him free. That's the context to understand it in. On the spot he made him. This was the, the situation of the Sahaba Ikram. They also went through this phase of learning, training, nurturing. But they had to be taught once and that became part and parcel of their lives. That lesson was then taken. So when he immediately was brought to his attention, this is wrong what you're doing. Immediately this was the amends he made. He's free for the pleasure of Allah. But this is the lesson in this, that everything that a person does, this is the question to engrave on the heart. What's going to bring me closer to Allah Ta'ala? Allah forbid is going to take me in the opposite direction. How am I, what am I going to speak? What am I going to do? What am I looking at? What am I listening to? What am I sitting and deliberately engaging my heart in? What am I thinking about? This haram thoughts and this evil and this fantasizing. Is this bringing my heart closer to Allah Ta'ala? Or is it dropping it in the darknesses of evil and filth, which is going to completely deprive me of that, of that blessings of Allah Ta'ala, because it's going to be soiled in this impurity of this deliberate evil thoughts. So now that Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala I'm going to be deprived of. My heart is going to become totally disinclined towards righteousness because it's going to become engulfed in this darkness now. And when it's engulfed in darkness, that heart engulfed in darkness is going to be inclined towards dark deeds. So now, how can I do this? I want to get closer to Jannat. This is going to take me closer to Jahannam. Now this question to keep asking ourselves. This is that lesson that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave us. Any case, Nabi Sallallahu after having made him repeat the question, he asked such a comprehensive question, Nabi Sallallahu gave him a very, very comprehensive answer as well. And he said to him, The most fundamental requirement, you worship Allah alone, don't ascribe any partners with Allah Ta'ala. So worshipping Allah Ta'ala alone, this is the whole essence of Iman, Tawheed. Not ascribing any partners to Allah Ta'ala. Tawheed, the most fundamental aspect in a mu'min's life. That he turns to Allah alone, worships Allah alone, every amal of his for Allah alone, 
every word, every deed, he is conscious, Allah is watching, Allah is aware. Allah Ta'ala knows the intention in my heart. Why am I doing this? Why am I saying it? I'm appearing to be saying it for one purpose, but in my heart something else is hidden in there. I'm saying it to apparently praise somebody, but in my heart I'm trying to now just make a mockery of something. What I'm saying, why I'm saying it, Allah is aware of everything. This Tawheed, to the extent that this Tawheed is deep down in the heart, how firm this Tawheed is, to that extent will everything else be firm. To that extent will be Ikhlas. Because Ikhlas comes out of that Tawheed. To that extent will be the consciousness of Akhirat. Because I have to face Allah wa ta'ala. So, Ta'budullah wa la tushiku bihi shay'a wa tuqeemu salah. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says to him, and you establish salah. The most important fundamental of the Iman, establishing salah. There's so much about salah which we, Alhamdulillah, hear from time to time. This is the most important aspect in a mu'min's life. And not just to get it done, but to keep trying to improve it. To do the postures in the correct manner, with calm, without any haste. Trying to recite in a better manner. Everything else in dunya, we are all the time updating and upgrading and trying to better things. And it's all still good as new, but now something new is on the market now, so we want to get that new as well. So all the time looking for something better. What about trying to improve our salah, which is the most important aspect, the first thing we will be questioned about on the day of Qiyamah. So, tuqimu salah or tu'tis zakah, and you discharge your zakat. So this, now it's apparently just two things mentioned, and then the third thing Nabi Sassim says to him, وَتَسِلُوا rahim, And you maintain and join family relationships. But in this much, the whole of deen has been spelled out. Iman is obviously the most important fundamental, that's the foundation. Without the foundation, nothing is going to exist. So Iman, and then the whole of deen is in two categories. Hukukullah and Hukukul Ibad. The rights of Allah wa ta'ala and the rights of the servants of Allah ta'ala. In the rights of Allah ta'ala are the physical ibadats and the monetary ibadats. And the peak of the physical ibadat is salah. And the peak of the monetary ibadat is zakat. And the Quran Sharif, hundreds of places, salah and zakat together. So if the person has got his salah and zakat in order, then everything else is also following. All the other ibadat in that regard. And in terms of hukukul ibad, the highlight and at the top of it all is tasilur rahim, maintaining family relationships. The person who's got this in place, inshallah the rest of it will also fall in place. So Nabi Sallallahu in this much highlighted the whole of deen. Hukukul law also be in place and hukukul ibad as well. Otherwise only half in place, other half is missing still. So deen is not compartmentalized. That I'm doing something and something else, well fine, I'm, this, this much is okay. No, no, deen is a complete way of life. And every aspect, whether it pertains to the rights of Allah Ta'ala, whether it pertains to the rights of the servants of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala wants us to fulfill everything. And this is what Allah Ta'ala is pleased with. Allah Ta'ala is pleased with deen. Allah Ta'ala is pleased, inna deena indallahi islam Allah Ta'ala is pleased with deen. Deen is the whole way of life that Nabi Islam has given us, which includes hukukullah and hukukulibad. This is what we have to endeavor for, to try and bring into our lives, that we become fully practicing on the hukukullah as well, fulfilling all the commands of Allah Ta'ala with regards to Allah's rights, and likewise we are fulfilling the rights of the servants of Allah Ta'ala. And this question we keep asking. There will be many times we don't know. We want to say something, we don't know whether this is the right thing to say. We should be asking from somebody who can tell us properly. We want to do something, it might be something in a business matter, it might be something regarding some social issue, it might be some personal matter, it might be something to do now we want to conduct the nikah of our child, it might be how to conduct the janaza of somebody in our family, it might be something to do with anything else for that matter. But the question to ask ourselves, is this going to bring me closer to Jannat? Allah forbid is it taking me closer to Jahannam? And if we don't know the answer, because sometimes we won't know. Nobody knows everything. So now then to ask, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Allah Ta'ala gives us the command in the Qur'an Sharif, ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. So we have to inculcate, inculcate within us this 
aspect of asking first and then doing. So that we are clear that what I want to do, what I want to say, what I want to say to somebody, what I want to write to somebody, what I want to now, how I want to conduct myself to sort out a certain matter, is this going to bring me closer to Allah Ta'ala? Or is it going to take me in the opposite direction? Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala give us the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen make zikr for a few minutes and watch. تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا ربي صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جز الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهل لا إله إلا الله 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 Allah, 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 Allah,
Ilahul Alamin, all those who are sick, give them complete shifa and afiyat, ya Allah. Remove every trace of their ailment, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, whichever problems, difficulties anybody is experiencing, ya Allah, out of your grace and mercy, remove it with afiyat, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, grant barakat in each one's risk, ya Allah. Grant us halal and tayyib risk, ya Allah. Save us from every drop and grain of haram and doubtful things, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah, all those who are in any kind of hardship, remove it with afiyat, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah. Allah, you keep us steadfast on iman, ya Allah. Keep us steadfast on the Mubarak way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah, take us on perfect iman, ya Allah. Raise us on the day of Qiyamah with perfect iman, ya Allah. Grant us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah. Allah, all those who asked us to make dua for them, all who have raised their hands to this dua. Allah, you know of each one's needs, ya Allah. Grant each one's jai's needs, ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, ya Allah. Fill each one's heart with your muhabbat, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin, ya Allah. Grant each one the best of dunya and akhirat, ya Allah. Allah, our greatest need is to become yours, ya Allah. Allah, you make us yours, ya Allah. You become ours, ya Allah. اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعادك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه المعين والحمد لله